Hey there! Are you a crime scene investigator, law enforcement officer, or forensic scientist looking for a Facebook community that understands you? Check out Taction USA's forensic product groups. You'll find blogs, articles, information, and community. For those of us in the investigative field, there are not many lines of support out there, but Taction USA is a company that was founded by law enforcement for law enforcement. Subscribe today to get access to exclusive content. Just look for Taction USA in Facebook groups. joining us today i'm hillary i'm brendan please sign the crime scene log i don't know why i'm being so formal please <laughs> sign the crime scene log and enjoy a uh, well a solved case unlike yes. the last episode this one's got a healthy conclusion it does indeed and there's a bit of forensic trickery and magic in there not trickery well <laughs> trust me you'd have been considered a witch many moons ago yeah this particular case, um, I came across and I found pretty interesting, and I liked that it was solved with a forensic aspect. Mm -hmm. That's always, that's my wheelhouse, so. What a delight. Yes, so that intrigued me. And while it is interesting, it isn't, I couldn't find a whole lot of detail. Mm -hmm. um, there's enough detail. You're going to know, of course, who the victim was and where and what happened and the conclusion. But I couldn't find details about the you know the background of the people involved so mm -hmm. normally we'll go into a case and we'll tell you about the people i could not really find anything so it's going to be a little bit shorter but i still think you'll find it enjoyable so as far as we know prior to death the victim was not unknown someone. we don't know yeah his it's his upbringing and no any of that. very unknown just just a just a guy to us and the general public at least. yes i'm sure there's people out there who loved him dearly. yes um so this particular case took place in deadwood south dakota oh an excellent place to visit mm. i have no idea in 1982 davy crockett rose who was only 26 at the time was found august 2nd bludgeoned to death great name i know the location was a picnic area near table near tables, and around that area were clothing and some beer cans. And I, from what I read, from my understanding, it was like, kind of like a national park. Maybe not a national national tour guided park, but it was deemed a yeah, specific area. State park, right. national park, wildlife preserve. Right, something something to that effect. But it had an area with like picnic tables and things like that for people to set up and, and enjoy the woods. He had suffered such trauma that he was unrecognizable. Jeez. Yeah. He had been fatally beaten with a 25-pound rock. God. Yeah. It's, that's you know, quite brutal. Well, and the effort that it would take to repeatedly yes, the adrenaline swing and the a 25-pound rock over your head to and make down him, onto someone's face. To, to make him unrecognizable yeah, to, is to significant. destroy their facial features entirely. And, you know, before we go a little bit further, you'll find that in this case, like so many, there was really no reason. You know, there was, I mean, Ugh. murder is never an option, but <laughs> it's never good. it was, it, it, to, I think it struck me too, because it's sad. It's, mm -hmm. you know, 
it was uncalled for. As far as we know, there's a lot of things that investigators couldn't find out. Some question and speculation. There was blood spatter all over the rock, of course. I'm and sorry, isn't it splatter? No. Oh, I know. <laughs> You're going to get the look. <laughs> First responding deputies of Lawrence County stated there was a struggle and the victim had defensive wounds on his left arm. And they kind of thought that maybe the personal effects that were scattered around the victim, you know, may have belonged to him and they kind of may have been scattered because of the struggle too. Um, most of the personal effects belonged to Rose, but some also belonged to a Vernon Cheney. Cheney was a known hippie associated with a group called the Rainbow Family, which it surprised me that in 1982, this was a significant group of people. You know, it, <laughs> the rainbow family. Yes, I was, you know, I have a picture it in the 60s, 70s, but 1982, I guess um, we're still coming out of that era. Yeah, maybe they were falling out of favor. <laughs> maybe. So their motto was... <laughs> they were was, reaching the end of the rainbow. Yes. Their motto was sharing and caring. What? You know, goes along with that kind of thing. However, when interviewed, Cheney stated they kicked Rose out of the group and out of the area they were staying at the forest. And it was mentioned in interviews that the Rainbow family was usually very tolerant and very inviting, but it begs the question, why was Rose kicked out? Mm -hmm. And I don't really think we're ever really going to know. Right. But the group of, you know, peace and love, sharing, kicked caring, him out. told this, who apparently they accept anyone. Yes. They told this dude, you got to scram. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows if he did something or if he was yeah alleged to have done something. Right. And again, you know... He's still a victim, but we don't know the reason right. of what Did he not happened. share enough? I don't or know. did he, you know, do something heinous that right. they gave him the boot? Upon further questioning, Cheney stated some items found at the crime scene were stolen goods from two individuals that kind of hung around the group known as Outlaw and Inlaw. Great names. I know. Deputies deduced he was robbed based on the fact that his pockets were turned inside out. And, however, not everything was taken, as his vehicle was still at the scene. He drove a 1980 Chevy Monza. Never heard of it. I was going to say, I don't even know what that I looks like. I don't know like. what a Chevy Monza is. However, we can also deduce whomever killed him did not take the car because it appeared to be immobile. It was described as being stuck on an object. So they may have wanted to take the car, yeah, tried but to, they but couldn't. High-centered it on a rock mm -hmm. or something. Investigators did what they could and collected evidence, even attempting to lift latent fingerprints from particular objects. And at that time, in 1982, APHIS was in existence, but it was limited. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, from my understanding, you know, you could run fingerprints in local databases. Mm -hmm. And I think the FBI had their system, but it wasn't shared, is my understanding. Right. It was not until the 2000s when the full APHIS system came about, and this is what we use today. And it's so successful. That's... Fingerprint identification system. Yes. I forget what the A stands for. Automated. Automated. That's right. Because you put it in there and it does it on its own. But You still have to compare manually. Yes. But if you get a match. Yes. Due to this reason, investigators had to compare everything manually, which would take hours. Mm -hmm. And as we just mentioned, um, APHIS will narrow down your search for fingerprints. But if you find matches... Most of the time, it's not like CSI doesn't say 100% match. You got it. <clears throat> it's usually three or four or more, I, I'd say less than 10, of potentials. And then you have to go through all the potentials yourself. 
Yeah. And then if you really narrow it down and you've got like one or two that you think, you still have to map out the entire print mm-hmm. manually and then rerun it to see how it goes. And get a second opinion when you're yes. matching. Yeah, you always need a second eye. opinion. By eye or computer. Yes. By suggestion suggestion of the witness statements as well as what was found at the scene, it appears outlaw and in-law were part of the Rainbow family at one time and were also kicked out. So that kind of led me to think, well, since we don't know a lot of details, maybe they tried to get a ride with Rose. Maybe they were all three kicked out. Right. Or they tried to take his car because they were kicked out and maybe he was just camping nearby. Um they recognized him from before. Right. They already knew him. Said, hey, Rose. So that's another, that's a thought. But again, this case, although it has a conclusion, it there's some thing, some little gaps that mm-hmm. we're not ever really going to know what the argument was or whatever. The exact motivation. Yes. So, but before we go further, we're going to hear from our friends at the National Investigative Training Academy. Nida. If you are looking for a career change or to expand your knowledge in an already established one, look no further than the National Investigative Training Academy. The National Investigative Training Academy, or NIDA, N-I-T-A, has well over 100 courses with 70 professional development ones alone. NIDA is constantly adding to their course catalog, and courses are focused on private investigation and security fields. Whether you would like to become a private investigator or you need continuing education for your investigative or security career, the National Investigative Training Academy is for you. All courses offered are 100% online and do at your own pace. Once completed, you will receive a certificate in that course. Sign up today at investigativeacademy.com. Make sure when you sign up for your courses, you mention we sent you there. We encourage you to get the best investigative and security training possible today. When you sign up, mention our brand ambassador code, BA2367. That's BA2367, and you can find those courses at investigativeacademy.com. Look for links in our show notes as well. So the case grew cold for 20 years, and over the years, the fingerprints were sent off once in a while to see if a comparison could be found, which I'm glad that they did that. That's something that... I would do, but not all agencies do. And it's really easy to not forget about it, but put something on the back burner because you have other cases. Right. The new cases never stop coming in. Right. So So it's, it's difficult to remember that kind of thing. To keep going back to the previous unsolved. But I was very glad to read that every few months they would send it off and try to get another match. Just in case. So in 2002, um, APHIS found a match and the individual's name was Thomas John Dalton. His fingerprints were found five times at the Rose crime scene. All right, so he was around. Yes. And then I, I wonder, though, what they found them on. I never could find exactly because it wasn't the rock. Trust me. <laughs> Can you not get good prints off of a rock? No. I'm thinking it may have been some of the beer cans. Mm-hmm. You can get a decent print off of beer cans. Oh, yeah. But I'm not it's sure. Smooth aluminum. Yeah, but I'm not sure where these came from. Just that it, they were found five times. So Bates was another one of Dalton's names or aliases. And so was Outlaw, <laughs> which he had a tattoo on his arm mm-hmm. of Outlaw. Real quick, uh, can you explain to the dear listeners why is it so tricky to get fingerprints off of a rock? Because it's 
a solid surface that's not porous at all. And your when fingerprints, the best result is going to be your oil, the oil from your fingers. Right. Oil is not going to really adhere to the rock. Right. Given the and then the rough surface. Right. And then you know, there's rocks are they're rocky, they're bumpy. You can't get a smooth print off of anything. Mm-hmm. And I unless the fingerprint is in paint and then put on a rock, you're not going to be able to get anything. Yes. Now, off a beer can, it's a smooth surface. It's aluminum, and there's several different ways to get the print. Mm-hmm. You know, with a rock, you, you know, you could try to dust or whatever, but the dust is going to end up in all the other little port, you know, cr- nooks and crannies in the rock. Yeah, the rock is highly porous. Yeah, it's got a lot of little holes. Yeah. Whereas, like the beer right. can, there's a no porosity. Right. As they say. Right. So, and. I mean, there are some surfaces that you can get, right. you know, sure off of porous. there's a smooth enough rock out there. Well, no, not a rock particularly. But there's, you know, semi-porous surfaces yeah. that you can get something off mm-hmm. of. But a rock is not one of them. Yeah. As long as it's a good, solid print, you could have some luck. Yes. But generally, a big, <laughs> big bloody rock, you're probably not going to get. No. But DNA would have been... The way to go with that, but it probably was mostly the victim's DNA. Anyway. Yeah, sure. There was a lot of blood. Right. So in 2003, an arrest warrant was issued for Bates, which was again was Thomas John Dalton outlaw, same person. Mm-hmm. Um, in the state of Illinois, where he was residing. Illinois. Mm. I know. It is reported that it took some time to find him, and the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force conducted surveillance for quite a while. And learned his patterns and then eventually found him. Yeah. Nobody gets away. No. So, thank goodness. Yeah. It Not was, for long, at least. Yeah. It was later determined that Bates did did commit the murder and confessed everything to a fellow inmate. And he even told the inmate that he had lied to the police about being at the scene, but his fingerprints were there. And my understanding is the inmate... I didn't want to digress too much and get into the inmate and his history, mm-hmm. but the inmate was in for quite a while, so he was willing to talk to police to mm-hmm. try to strike a deal, make his sentence a little a few lighter. Years off. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be not necessarily common, but you hear that yeah. every once in a while that mm-hmm. someone tells their cellmate, oh, well, yeah. we're both in here for life, so what's yeah. the matter? And they confess everything. And then they and then the cellmate yeah. turns around and goes, Hey, uh, I know where the bodies are. Right. So all of this helped the investigators since they had to ensure the confession was legitimate. Because, you know, we all know that often, especially hardened criminals, they Mm -hmm. like to boast about crimes they didn't commit because it makes them look better on the street. But, you know, so they wanted to make sure that this was legitimate. Well, and the, if the cellmate is BSing to try to get a deal, he's making up information about this guy's case. So they had to make sure that everything checked out. Um... Bates told the inmate the police had his hat and property and evidence, and that's something only the killer would have known. Mm-hmm. So that was really, for the confession part of the case, that was... That lended some validity. That, yes, is the hat. That, well, he, they still have my hat, and, you know, I wonder when I get it back or something yeah, like that. The only person who would have known yes. is the guy who left the hat at the scene that the police right. collected the hat. And I think he described the hat and everything as far as... I remember my name is in the back. (laughs) Nobody checked. It appears the murder of Davy Rose had been an accident. 
and he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I would say accident loosely because, I mean, he was bludgeoned with a 25-pound rock. Yeah. Not, so, not one hit. No. I would say, and there was blood everywhere. So I would use the term accident loosely. Yeah. Maybe the... Maybe, maybe the encounter. Right. And maybe Bates, to me, Bates probably wanted to rough him up or something mm-hmm. and then went too far. But I put, I wouldn't really call that an accident. Yeah. I so think I'm, if you're going to strong arm rob someone, you don't yeah. start with bashing their head. No. So... With a rock. No. Investigators were still looking for in-law. Remember, outlaw and in-law were known to run together. Right. So in November of 2003, they found a woman by looking at arrest records and cross-referencing. And they discovered that she used to run around with Bates and her name on the street was in-law. She was interviewed and questioned. And at the time of her interview, she had... She was already in, I think she was in California and she had a, she was like a student and had a job and actually had her life together. Um, She was interviewed and questioned by authorities. She said they were hitchhiking and allegedly Rose came onto her and Bates hit Rose with a rock. She stated Rose was on the ground when he was being hit and he was struck more than four times or about four times. So to me, that's still not an accident. Right. Because Mm -hmm. even if. He was coming on to her, and even if she were uncomfortable... And her boyfriend... Got jealous, and or even if he was trying to defend her. Mm-hmm. The fact that he hit him, and then hit him multiple times when he was on the ground... Yeah. ...is not an accident to me. Yeah, he wasn't just teaching the guy a lesson no. for coming on to his lady. Mm-hmm. He flat out, apparently in a rage, if what she's saying is true, murdered him. Right. And then... You know, they ran through his pockets yeah. and maybe tried to get away with the car, but got but it, it stuck. stuck. Or, yeah, they Cause may Because they, have... they were hitchhiking. Yeah, so, so it probably was stuck. I'm sure they didn't mind having by a ride. Them. Yeah, but as they tried to peel away, they right. ran over a stump or something. Which makes me wonder, did they? how much did they process the car? Because they were probably the ones that got it stuck. Well, and then if they, uh, and maybe they said his... Prints were found five times at the so scene. Maybe so the, maybe in the car. Maybe once on the steering wheel. Yeah. Or on the the car door. You can get pretty yeah, good ones on off handle. of doors. Yeah. But if, and that's, if what she's saying is true, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like she's definitely the one. Yeah. They looked at his known associates and found someone nicknamed right. in-law. Um, but if she is telling the truth that, well, the guy was coming on to me and saw my boyfriend, uh, he went a little overboard. Yeah. If that's true, or did they flag this guy down and attack him and try to, to steal, steal his car? Everything. Yeah. And that blew it, and they went, well, if anyone asks, he was right. uh, a perv. And we're never going to know. No. She probably was an accessory to the homicide, mm-hmm. but because the statute of limitations ran out, she was never charged. Ah. Um, it happened in 1982. This, is, you know, this was all occurring in 2003. And in December of 2003, Bates pled guilty to first-degree manslaughter and was sentenced to 35 years. Yeah, so, and, I mean, manslaughter because it wasn't premeditated from what right. we could tell from yeah. the evidence they could gather. It was probably in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. Whether it was whether robbery was the motivation mm-hmm. or he was upset that he came on to his girlfriend, either way, I believe it was probably the heat of the moment. Where it escalated yeah. to homicide. Well, in the you know lack of premeditation, we believe there was. But right. I mean, his plan 
he may have told her, all right, next person we come across, we're going to murder them. We're going to beat them to death and take their car. Right, and this but we happened can't. To be the guy, but we can't. We can't tell speculate with yeah. any of that. So, yeah. but manslaughter, they could definitely prove. Yes, manslaughter fits. No doubt. No doubt, he killed him. Whether he was someone was coming on to his girlfriend, mm-hmm. or he was just a totally random encounter, right? Or he was attacked from behind and killed. Yeah. Regardless of how it specifically happened, manslaughter yes. for certain. Right. So, it is. Interesting to me, especially me and my forensic fascination and my uh, my fingerprint print comparison abilities. <laughs> I I like when I find cases where it actually was some piece of forensics that tied it all together. I yes. mean, every element has to fit. Yeah. And I always say that you can't have you can't have a fingerprint and then that be the the catch all. There has mm-hmm. to be other elements to the case. Right. Luckily, there was the cellmate confession yes and he showed that he knew information that only the killer would know yeah and then with his fingerprints proving he was there and they found in-law yeah by chance i mean and she flat out said yes yeah outlaw Bates, dalton whatever you know knocked the guy to the ground hit him at least four times yeah so i like that it had a conclusion and it had a you know a forensic yeah but it was the fingerprint that opened the door yeah I like that. Yeah, me too. It's sad, it's sad, you know, about Rose. And, you know, we're never really going to know what he was like. Right. Whether Why he was kicked out of the yeah. Rainbow family. And who knows? I mean, we're talking about a certain group of people who claim they're tolerant. But we all know how often that isn't the case yeah. and things like that. <laughs> when people get into groups, they tend to have exhibit well, strange behaviors. Yeah. That's we're a... all very tolerant unless you're not exactly like us. Right. So... But I'm glad it had a conclusion. Yes. And there so it's was, good to have a closed case again. Yes. There was an actual conviction. Mm-hmm. And 35 years. So he's, yeah, he's I like still was, in now. Yeah. I like that it was a cold case. Mm-hmm. That's got to be an exciting feeling, getting a... When you run an old set of prints, yeah. just, in, just to see. I don't know. We've tried it 10 or more times now, and nothing mm-hmm. ever comes up. And then, boom, boom. match. Yeah. That's got to be exhilarating. Oh, yeah. Especially if you can then... Tie it all together. Nail down who it was and go after him. Yeah. So that is our case for you today. Thank you for listening. A fingerprint is all you need. Mm -hmm. Indeed. We appreciate you joining us. Please sign the crime scene log on the way out and don't confess to your cellmate. (laughs) Or do. Let's not. Let's not. uh, That's true. That's up to you. Let's not commit murder. Who you confess to. Well, yeah. First, no crimes. Right. Second, yeah. let's just think for a yeah. minute. Thank you for joining us. Stay safe. So long. Are you tired of speculative, sensational, poorly researched, and disrespectful true crime podcasts? Me too. Hi, I'm Eric Carter-Londine, and I'm here to introduce you to True Consequences Podcast, an advocacy-focused show that sets itself apart from the rest. You see, True Consequences is a love letter from my baby brother, Jacob Londine, who was murdered nearly four decades ago, and he still needs justice. What sets my show apart is the deep dive research I do, the first person accounts I bring to light, and the empathetic lens through which I approach each case. I know what it's like to fight for justice for a loved one, and I'm committed to helping other families seeking justice. You can listen to True Consequences wherever you get your favorite podcast. Join me, Eric Carter-Londine, on this journey to uncover the truth 
and advocate for justice. Together, we can make a difference. Don't settle for sensationalism. Choose True Consequences podcast for advocacy-focused true crime. Subscribe now and be part of the movement for justice.